0: go. We're in the book of Proverbs tonight and we're looking at um, this topic tonight on dads or a word for dads. And we've been going through every, um, like through this series, just picking sort of a, a theme out of the book of Proverbs because Proverbs covers um, basically all the, all the areas of life and, and how we ought to operate in this life. And uh, this is one of those uh, topics that, uh, again, we 've already looked at some of the you know verses that we 're going to look at tonight, but it 's a reminder of uh, the importance of leadership in the home and being like for fathers especially but this if you 're not a father you 'll still gain hopefully uh, gain from this as well and as uh, you read through the book of Proverbs again as i 've said many times in this study, there are very just short sayings that are often either coupled with uh, parallel sort of ideas to convey the same truth or their opposites one being like the fool or the wise you know different uh, statements that are made and we've looked at those there are both negative verses and positive affirming verses out of the book of proverbs but all of them are very short and just easy to digest not always easy if they hit you in the heart but they're definitely easy to think on if you put your mind to it well we're going to look at this topic and a word to dads and the point number one I want to look at is work hard at your job or in other words work hard to provide and we are to provide as dads as fathers uh, for our children and to set an example of work and set an example of being not just busy but actually um, doing something diligently and correctly and I think that that should be modeled more and more, um, as often you see where people today have a hard time understanding what hard work is all about, because they have never had it modeled in their life, and there are more and more times where that is seen. Well, we're going to pick it up in looking at verses, um, well, first of all, some negative verses. Um, Proverbs twelve eleven <clears throat> says this, He who tills his land will be satisfied with bread. That's the positive, right? But he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we just ask even now that you would just work and God that you would um, clearly even tonight teach us and help us to look at some of these very simple verses and, and apply them to our own lives or certainly encourage others who find themselves in these situations and we pray also lord that we'd be examples of christians and that they would look at us uh, as as different <laughs> people would see us truly as people of the book people of the lord and they would desire that in jesus name amen laziness we talked about this earlier in a in a topic um, and we covered some some of these same verses but I think that uh, one of the things here that is clearly seen is that sometimes in general, I mean life is hard work. It, you have to show up, right? And it requires a hard hard work to just accomplish things. And uh, dads aren't off the hook in that. Um, I would say definitely um, there are different roles in the house. Uh, when you look at uh, in my own family, my wife, Um, she was a stay-at-home mom and she really had as much or many days much more work than I did being at home Uh, and honestly if I had to pay her an hourly wage I would not afford her I could not afford her Um, and I just say that because I think she reminds me that every now and again so she says you wouldn't can't afford me but anyways um, I I will say I'm thankful that um, the Lord has used that in my life and nearly now 30 years of marriage where he's he's made us work more than the, just each individual could could the sum of two people you know it's really the the, the synergy effect in a, in a relationship so i'm very thankful for that um it's not always that case and i realize that sometimes you find yourself either not in a marriage not a single not a dad uh this stuff still applies and it teaches us a lot of things and helps us to certainly understand our place and how we ought to serve the lord well Um, in Proverbs chapter 6 talks about going to the ant and we looked at that also and we looked at how the ant is a great example of someone or in this case something a little ant that works while they can work to put away stuff for the day it says go to the ant you sluggard and consider her ways to be wise and be wise and if you have a sluggish heart look at the ant the ant never stops right they're out there And they're always doing something. You never see an ant just stopped unless it's dead. That's about it. Um, They're always moving. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come in on you like a prowler, and your need like an armed man. And the principle that Solomon talks about in that is, again, being diligent to be make sure that you're putting away and being active while you can be active. Um, And if you're going to be just sheer lazy about things, your poverty will creep up rather quickly. And that's what happens. And not all poverty is attributed simply to laziness, not by any means. Sometimes poverty is nothing you can choose. In other words, if something happens or circumstances in your life change, those kind of things. But you would also say, on the other hand, a lot of poverty is the result of just people not wanting to work or not wanting to... Um, go out and be creative and those kind of things, hoping that somebody else will give them money. I often think of that. There's a guy down in Holton. Yeah, he's a panhandler. You know, they kind of sit out there. It's at the entrance to Walmart. I don't know the guy's circumstances and all that, but he's out there. Every time I go down to Holton, I see him. He's got his sign and saying, um, need a meal or I'm hungry or, you know, something like that. And that guy is as dedicated as I've ever seen for a man who begs, you know. And, and I would say, I thought, you know, uh, maybe he's really hard up and no one will give him a job. But I thought, if that guy would show up every morning to a job, he would probably uh, not have that problem, if, he, if indeed he has that problem. Sometimes uh, panhandling can be quite profitable, from what I understand. So, uh, And, and I'm, I'm not trying to poke fun at people who find themselves in that position. But I will honestly say in times of our life when I have been in want or not had something, we've either done without or we've said we're going to go and just work a little extra, do something, and the Lord has always opened up that opportunity. And I'm thankful that, um, I'm also thankful in you know, the generosity of God's people. I'm thankful for you know, people that do help out and do that. And when, so a lot of times when it's not expected, and that's part of what we do as a family and family helps that way. But a little word to fathers. They ought to be somebody who is setting the example in that area. Um, Second Thessalonians in the New Testament says the same thing. It says, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. And and the principle here is he will not work. It doesn't mean that he can't work. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you might find yourself out of work or whatever you might find yourself in lean times that way you may indeed find yourself in a position where you don't have the strength to work you're disabled or something like that and that's not what it's talking about that kind of person it's the person who says I won't work I won't do it well Paul says you shouldn't eat and I just say that, that in itself is something that should stand out to us in 1 Timothy 5.8 says it there but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Here, Paul couples it again with the idea that for a man, and it's his, it says there, you know, it, it basically, that if you are a Christian and you do not provide for your family, and I would just say again, you know, there are circumstances where you cannot, but a lot of times... Um, sometimes it's just people won't you know they won't provide well he says you're worse than an unbeliever it's expected the world will live like that very selfishly but it shouldn't be that way for the Christian um, Solomon again urged and showed that sometimes being a slugger there uh, is not appreciated and um, it says here in proverbs ten twenty six, as vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes so is the lazy man to those who send send him and you know when someone won't do the job they're like that it's not that you can't get by sometimes but that someone else has to do a little more work to get by and it's like vinegar to the teeth which kind of have you have sensitive teeth and you ever drink something with lots of vinegar you know it hurts um And and smoke in the eyes hurts. Uh, It's not something that's going to put you out or put you in the hospital, but it's something that agitates you. And that is exactly how laziness and when we tolerate that um, in our own household or whatever else, it it's not good. It's not good. I'm I'm coming down hard tonight on that, but um, I'm just going through this topic with the with what the Word of God has. And in uh, Proverbs twenty five thirteen talks about a trustworthy worker uh like the cold of snow in time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him for he refreshes the soul of his masters and it is a refreshing thing when someone comes and shows up on time and they're a refreshing you know they work hard they do what they're supposed to do and maybe even go beyond what they're supposed to do um The message says of that same verse, Reliable friends who do what they say are like cool drinks in sweltering heat. Refreshing. And I I like that. That's that's how it is. A reliable friend or a reliable person is like a cool drink in the sweltering heat. Proverbs 10, verses 4 and 5. He who has a slack hand becomes poor. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. By the way, it doesn't always make him rich. Sometimes it might make someone else rich. Um, and doesn't mean that you won't, hopefully, you know, we're, I think my son was talking about this with us last night. Now, Ben, he was on the phone with us talking about stuff. And, you know, he said, it's not a sin to make money. I and mean, that's true, unless you're like printing it in your basement or something. But, but it's not a sin to make money. But it's really the idea what's behind it is the diligence of work and sometimes it just makes your employer better also when you're a hard worker and it blesses them and that's the kind of worker that you want to invest in um and and for the christian it isn't you know i just say be the best you can be whatever you do learn your trade Uh, go beyond what is required of you to do those things because it stands out and it shows how god is he's a gracious god who goes above and beyond what we ask and think right in verse 5, it says, He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. We looked at that verse a couple of weeks ago, or a few weeks ago also. And uh, you want to be the wise son. And dads should be that way as well. Proverbs thirteen four: The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. And isn't that true? When you look out there in the media or wherever else, there's always a crowd out there saying, where's my money? Uh, Where's my this? Where's my that? Where's my benefits? And they don't even seek to go out and work to maybe meet that need that is in their life, if indeed there's a need. The soul of a man, a lazy man, desires and has nothing. And that's, that's what happens. And then the soul of the diligent shall be made rich verse 11 of proverbs 13 it says wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished but he who gathers by labor will increase and again the principle there just showing how um and i and i would say this is imperative for dads especially is to be honest that's actually one of our our taught our points here we'll get to in a little bit but to be diligent in those things and um but he who gathers by labor will increase. It's, there's, there's really no trade-off for hard work. It's really the way it is um, in that. Well, work hard to provide. And then stay true to your family. And this is a big one because uh, we live in a day and age where there's so many broken people, and broken homes. And, and I'm not beating up on anybody by any, by any means because it, it visits almost everybody in every home. Uh, it seems like there's some form of, you know, a broken relationship, uh, uh, those kind of things. And but the the book of Proverbs lays out a foundation um, to help. Well, for one thing, avoid that. But also be ready to be different in a world that is so well, we so easily dispose of people, and that's the truth. And, and, and as Christians, we really shouldn't be like that, right? does happen certainly christian homes are not exempt from that but i would say this be true to your family as a man as a dad and and it says and by the way part of that is is finding the good wife all right um an excellent wife is the crown of her husband but she who causes shame is like the rottenness in his bones watch out rottenness in the bones and how many people have been in a relationship where there's a spouse that is like that and it just it just eats at you and your health may even go uh in that Uh, just be careful and try to avoid that now if you find yourself in that kind of relationship uh you're to i think as much as you can remain and as long as there's not some kind of abuse going on but but i would say this that you know continue as as hard as you can to um reach out to that one it isn't always possible to reconcile but but that's how god is and and how what he wants um proverbs eighteen twenty two: he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the lord i wish that verse was talked about more today because a lot of young people don't even want to get married <laughs> Um, marriage is not even something that most people are even thinking about now until they're probably in their late 20s or 30s. And marriage has gone from, well, when people used to get married when they were very young and maybe too young, uh, now, you know, to where people are just like, ah, it's not, what's imp- why be married, you know? Um, and, and I just say that if you find a wife, you find a good thing, man. A good wife. And it's not a bad thing. Society would like to tell you that. Uh, and obtains favor from the Lord uh, that is a sign of of God's favor and blessing when he wants to build a family in that way um, done by God's way you know and it, again it might be in a situation where you say man that's not my life and it isn't the way I've ended up or whatever else and I'm just saying this is what Proverbs says as far as uh, you know things that we could especially for our young people mark their trail you know look look at this and Go for that. Proverbs 19.14 Houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. And here it really, you know, emphasizes in that way. And then again, Proverbs 31, talking about the virtuous woman. And in that, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of things that talk about that woman betters her husband. Um, for instance, Proverbs 31.10 Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. And I would say, you know, it's more important for a young man or a man to set out to find a good wife than it is to find wealth. And that's not the message the world gives today. She's more valuable than that. The heart of her husband safely trusts her so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. And again, that that really is the ideal. um, And it should be something we all strive for in our relationships, right? Proverbs, uh, and, and this goes with the dad must show the right spirit in the home as well because he sets the tone in his home. He who troubles his own house will inherit the wind and the fool will be Servant to the wise of heart. And again, just that uh, advice. Don't be seeking to inherit the wind. Because uh, that's what you'll get in that. Invest in those in your household. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 also it goes along that same line of having the right attitude and you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And, and by the way, men, that's your responsibility. Now, it's a dual responsibility in a household, that's for sure. But but men are the ones that are responsible to see that that happens. And it's not always the way it is. and Maybe because we work hard or busy or whatever outside the home. But it should not be an excuse. Men, stand up. And take leadership spiritually in your home. Bible talks a lot about that. Uh, in Also in the book of Proverbs. There are lots of verses about sex. And you know people think they have to go find you know um, all kinds of uh, stories out there somewhere else. But you find in the Bible that God is uh, a God of who, who says um, there are healthy ways to enjoy the opposite sex, in the confines of marriage, and and he gives the woman and the man to each other to enjoy each other in that way. And the Bible warns of of venturing outside of that relationship. It brings a lot of trouble. It brings a lot of trouble. For instance, Proverbs chapter 5. He says, drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of waters in the streets? And he, he's using this metaphorically. He's referring to here the, the relationship, a sexual relationship. Should you be going out, sleeping with everything that's out there? Should you just be, you know, going out and, and looking at every other woman than the one that's right there with you uh, in your house in that way? Because that's what he goes on in the next verse. He says, let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Don't bring in a third person into your marriage. Men. <laughs> you know. Women also. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Let your fountain be blessed. And rejoice with the wife of your youth. That doesn't mean that she's always going to be youthful. Right? But rejoice with that wife. If she's still there. And then you know what? Rejoice with her. Look what it says, as a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. Friends, that takes work. That takes work. And by the way, men, there'll always be women out there that will, if you let your eye wander, catch your eye. That will always be more, you know, be younger, be more beautiful. It's all fleeting. Work on that. Don't have a wandering eye, wandering heart. Be satisfied if you are married. You know, be satisfied with that woman that's with you. For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? That sounds so old-fashioned, right? In a world where it basically says, you know, go out and live it up now um, and and do whatever you want. It brings a lot of heartache, a lot of emptiness, a lot of just unbelievable heartache Um, and and I I won't go into details but I know in the sense of over the years not only counseling with people but seeing people in, in the medical world as well you know seeking mental health issues that are just from broken relationships and sometimes very just loose relationships that the world says is great and will make you feel better but it leaves you so empty so wanting Solomon warns his son. And by the way, I find the irony in that is Solomon was a man that had a lot of women in his life. And the Bible testifies that they drew his heart away from God. Solomon gives good advice here, but he didn't always follow that advice. And it caused problems in his household as well. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. Do you know God thinks about you, and He ponders our paths. That's good, and His eyes see the ways we we behave, whether that's in the secret, in darkness, or in the open. God sees it all. Be faithful. Be enraptured with men, with that that wife of your youth, or. You know, Pray to that end. God will provide that in your life if you're not married. Those kind of things. <clears throat> Proverbs 6 continues that. Verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp. And the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. To keep you from the evil woman. <laughs> and from, it says, the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom, and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals, and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes in to his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Again, uh, Solomon's writing this, and you know, it made sense. And it does make sense. A lot of heartache in that way wounds and dishonor will he uh, he will get and his reproach will not be wiped away for jealousy is a husband's fury therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance he will accept no recompense nor will he be appeased through you though you give many gifts and how many stories over the years of um, of murder even um, where Someone got in, you know, committed adultery, got into a relationship somewhere like that, and the offending spouse or the one who was offended goes off on a rampage and ends up there in prison and the other person's dead, you know, that kind of stuff. A lot of stories like that happen all the time. And because it violates a marriage at its very heart. And when we do that, we're really poking at God, saying, God, you're not enough. Be careful of that. It's just a warning. And we need to follow that. And we need to pray that God puts it, and he's promised to protect us, but that God will put hedges in our relationships to keep them right. And it doesn't matter what age you are. Keep those relationships right before the Lord. Thirdly, be honest with everyone. I think that... um, the amount of times I have over the years, uh, I will stop and thank, first of all, be thankful for my dad, who, my dad, I would just say this, is one of the most honest people I know. And I know a lot of honest people, but my dad, I saw it in his life every day. And dad was not somebody that would lie. Um, he was not somebody who was living a you know, double life. That gets revealed usually somewhere along the line. He wasn't at all like that. And, and is not to this day um, and I'm very thankful I had a dad like that and he was honest in his dealings and when he said he would do something he did it and those kind of things and I'll tell you what that stands out because when I'm tempted not to be honest I think man I would be doing a dishonor to my dad more even than that I'd be doing a dishonor to my heavenly father who always is is, is always honest with us and always desires that his children walk in truth. The book of Proverbs has a lot to say about honesty. For one thing, God hates dishonesty. Whether it be cheating in a game or cheating on your taxes or some financial plan or cheating out, you know, getting your neighbor and getting his property. Think of how many sons have watched their dads do those kind of deals and then later on they think hey this is the way it's done if i can cheat the man and you know get game the system i'm gonna make it and i'll be successful no you won't you're just dishonest you might not get caught in this life but make sure you're honest in your dealings proverbs six sixteen: these six things the lord hates yes seven are an abomination to him A proud look, and then look, a lying tongue. Dishonesty. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. And one who sows discord among the brethren. Word to men tonight. Don't let those things come up in your life. Be above that. Proverbs 20, verse 10. Diverse weights and diverse measures. They are both alike an abomination to the Lord. What that means is make sure that your weights and measurements are absolutely correct. In other words, in the, think of it in the marketplace, and that's the, the picture that's here. A guy comes in with a maybe a, a little piece of gold, and he wants to exchange that gold for some material item that's of value and he puts that gold on the scale and the merchant goes over and puts a weight on the other side on that other scale but the weight is shaved or the weight is, is weighted so that the gold appears heavier than it really or lighter than it really is, sorry. And he doesn't give the guy value. Or if you're trading in, in whatever commodities, the, the, the scales are set against you. Wow, and we should be honest in our dealings. Shouldn't be doing that kind of thing, having a finger on the scale, so to speak, or measurements the same way. You know, um, it's back to sometimes I think as a Christian, especially being extra gracious, to give above and beyond, maybe just enough, so that people look at you and say, "This guy is not only honest in his dealings, but he's he's giving." Make sure that you come out on top. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. Watch out. Proverbs eleven three. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Hmm. And then again, in Proverbs sixteen eleven, honest weights and scales are the Lord's you know the only one really who is totally fair is the lord completely fair sometimes we accuse him of being unfair people do that all the time they say how could a good god allow suffering or how could this thing happen in my life god's not fair god is always fair he's always fair even in how he deals with evil and how he deals with sin and you know that God, being a fair God, because he's perfect, he has to be perfectly fair. He has to punish sin fairly. And he, well, he has a place that punishes sin perfectly fair. It's a place called hell. So a place I don't want to go. It's a place I'd not want anybody to go. But if people refuse the only um, gift of salvation that's extended to them, and they deny that then the only other recourse is for God to punish their sin. Instead of having Jesus who's already been punished for their sin and receiving him and forgiveness, if you don't do that, the only fair place is to go to hell. And try to wrap your mind about that. A perfectly fair, just God has to do that. And yet, he offers that grace, that extension, that forgiveness. Honest weights and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work. He knows it all. And you know, there'll never be any misdeed in, in heaven, or even those that come to heaven that will have some kind of uh, misdeed brought up even, because the forgiveness of, this, of God outweighs our sin. The grace of God outweighs the, um, the punishment that we deserve. Because of Jesus Christ. Trustworthiness. An important thing. What is desired in a man is kindness. And a poor man is better than a liar. Hmm. How about this one? A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a club, a sword, and a sharp arrow. How many people are going to court in this very coming week throughout our land... And they're bearing a false witness. Some are bearing a true witness. But there's so much falsehoods today. And the only ones that make out are the lawyers because they make us sign away so many things because they want people to keep their word. And probably the lawyers, too, need to have things they need to sign as well. But listen be different in a world, men, that is a world that has just gone astray. It is a world that is in disarray. Back about a month ago, my son sent an article from the Marine Corps magazine that uh, is published every month, and it was on a man named James Crodel. It was actually an article from, I believe, uh, 2019. Uh, James Crodel was a um, Iwo Jima survivor. Um, he fought in the Pacific in 1944 on the island of Iwo Jima, and uh, really... Worst fighting that the Marines ever faced, and you know, very close in Korea coming up after that. But as far as the amount of dead Marines that uh, and wounded Marines in that conquest of Iwo Jima, and it was absolutely just awful fighting that took place. And he sent me a link just today um, from April 10th, and it was James Crotel, um died on April 10th. Matter of fact, tonight in Quitman, Texas is his visiting hours and tomorrow is his funeral at First Baptist Church of Quitman, Texas. But I read that article and I thought, wow, what a life. He was 17 years old and, and newly married at age 17 when he enlisted in the Marine Corps in, um, for World War II. He enlisted because he didn't want to get drafted and not have a choice where he'd go. Little did he know he would see the worst of the combat of World War II, probably at least some of the worst. He and three friends went in to um, went, went into um, uh, the Marine Corps together on that day, and let's see if I have something here. I wrote, I, I, I read that article. And one of them was a man named Billy Joe Jordan, and the two of them went through basic training together. They also went. To were stationed later at Camp Pendleton and then later um, ended up in the Pacific and ended up on the same landing craft, Higgins' boat headed to the beaches of Iwo Jima. And both ended up there, you know, coming ashore under heavy fire, literally having to climb over the dead bodies of their fallen Marines and going from uh, shell hole to shell hole in the volcanic sands of Iwo Jima and it was not long after they had come ashore that he and Billy Joe Jordan were in the in a bottom of a shell hole uh, trying to take cover from the fire that was raining down on them. and he noticed Billy Joe went silent and he looked over and his friend had been shot in the head and was instantly killed James Crotal says I held my friend there and I wept like a baby just wept like a baby. He said, it was the saddest day of my life to see my best friend die holding the air in his arms. But he couldn't stop there and he had to leave him behind. He, he took one of his dog tags and marked it and, and put a little stake in the ground and marked it with his dog tag on it and he left and did that. Later, after the conquest of Iwo Jima, um, nearly a month later, as he was getting ready to be sent away, James Crodle survived that, um, he went back to visit the cemetery and he went and searched all afternoon for the grave of his friend. And there he uh, paid tribute there to his friend and he talked about that in that article. You can look up his name, by the way, James Crodel and Iwo Jima, and you'll find the article in the Marine Corps magazine. A fascinating article. Uh, afterwards, he, he got, he obviously later, he was wounded um, during that campaign. Uh, later he would... Um, leave the service and would lead a very vigorous you know normal life as people would say raised a family um, outlived his first wife was remarried and just sound like a really really neat guy I read his obituary today and I just took a couple pieces out of it after it talks about his parents and his family and his surviving relatives and those that have gone before him it says this James served courageously in World War II as a U.S. Marine and was an Iwo Jima survivor. He was a gentleman and a true American hero who continued to honor his military background. He was a proud member of the Third Marine Association and the Texas chapter of the Third Marine Association and enjoyed traveling to local and national reunions. He was also a member of the Wood County Marine Corps League where he and Mary visited the veterans in two nursing homes for 10 years. But that's something goes on to say, James was also a member of First Baptist Church of Quitman and enjoyed attending. He was a great example of a Christian. In his last few years, he would sit under the carport reading his Bible, counting the words in the Bible, and studying his Sunday school lessons. That's a great, great tribute to a man in his obituary. I noticed where one of his relatives had posted that article back in 2019. And uh, his son, John Crodel, which is a survivor, obviously, of his, in his family. John Crodel wrote, my true hero. My true hero. I think that sums up a man's life. It sums up a father who epitomized being a Christian, being a good father, doing those kind of things. And I'll tell you, there are a lot of those true heroes. Some you'll never know about. Some that have just gone on and they've lived very simple by the book, lives and put these things in. Not perfect. Not a perfect dad out there. (laughs) I know. That's for sure. But if we follow the Lord, you know what? We go by His book. And the book of Proverbs is such a simple, good book. It makes a big difference sometimes. And hopefully someone someday will look back and say that was a good example of a christian and maybe even a true hero father thank you for the word of god and lord all the hard things that are found in this also remind us there are good things and thank you lord where sin did abound grace did much more abound thank you lord though there are no perfect fathers here on this earth yet you are our perfect heavenly father help us to be men of god and Lord, that we'd lead our families so that there'd be women of God, children of God. Lord, we would follow you just in simplicity and in faith. We thank you in, G- in Jesus' name. Amen.